Blog Talk Radio. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Everything becomes captive to the truth and obedience to the truth. As I know the truth, as I obey the truth, Satan is resisted. Welcome to Grace to You Weekend with John MacArthur. I'm your host, Phil Johnson. Well, in this new year, perhaps you want to be more disciplined in your reading of God's Word or more consistent in sharing the gospel. 
But as you reach for those goals, could you be overlooking an enemy who wants to hinder you every step of the way? That enemy, of course, is Satan. So how do you resist his tactics? And how can you make sure his attacks don't slow down your spiritual growth in 2020? Find out today on Grace to You Weekend as John MacArthur continues his study, A Practical Path to Spiritual Maturity. If you have your Bible handy, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and here's John. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we're human, physical. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. There's no physical strategy against Satan. There's no mental strategy against Satan. There's no verbal strategy against Satan. You can't say words and make him run. We don't war according to the flesh. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. The contrast between the flesh and the divine, between the human and God. And we don't battle Satan with human plans, human ingenuity, or human words but with a divinely powerful expression of God. What is that? Verse 5, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. There's the key. Everything becomes captive to the truth and obedience to the truth. As I know the truth, as I obey the truth, Satan is resisted. And whatever enemy comes against me becomes captive. As I stand on the truth, as I obey the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, now listen to this, that by them you may fight the good fight. Here's how. Keeping the faith and a good conscience. What does that mean? Holding on to the faith, which is the truth, the faith, the Christian faith, the revealed truth. And a good conscience means that you've not only believed the truth, you've what? You've obeyed it. And your conscience isn't accusing you. Same principle. How do you fight the good fight? How do you keep from the shipwrecking disaster that delivers you over to Satan, as he mentions in verse 20? How do you prevent that? Keeping the faith, holding it, guarding it, and having the good conscience that doesn't accuse you because you haven't violated its truth. Beloved, there's only one way to resist the devil, and that is to know the truth, to believe the truth, to stand on the truth, to obey the truth. And when you do that, you stand against him, and he what? He flees. What you say is immaterial. There's no formula for this. And then that key passage, Ephesians 6. Turn there quickly. Ephesians 6. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That's that divinely powerful weaponry. 
Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Here he gives you the details of it. The details. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies as they come against us as individuals, as, as families, as leaders, as churches. Now, in order to deal with the scheming deception of Satan, and in order to stand firm, there's that same concept, stand firm. It never says attack Satan. It says stand firm. It never says go after him and chase him down on the cosmic level. It says stand firm, resist. How do you do it? Verse 13. Take on the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And what's the evil day? Any day that evil comes. And having done everything to stand firm, and here's how, having your loins girded with what? Truth. Not only does it imply truth, but truthfulness. Not only that I know truth, but I'm committed to truth. Second thing, have on the breastplate of what? Righteousness. That means I'm obeying the truth. As soon as I am unrighteous, my breastplate's off, I'm vulnerable. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is that? The confidence that you have made peace with God. The gospel says you can have peace with God. You stand your ground and say, I have peace with God. God's on my side. I'm not fighting you. I'm letting him do it. Take the shield of faith, which says, I believe my God is able. Put on the helmet of salvation, the confidence in eternal life, the confidence that you're secure in Christ, and in your hand, the sword of the Spirit, which is what? the Word of God. If you want to know all those details, get those tapes. I don't have time to go into them any more than that. And then in verse 18, he adds, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all saints. Here it is, beloved. Truth around your waist with righteousness, the commitment to obey to cover your vulnerable area, with confidence in the power of God, believing God is your shield, having eternal hope as your helmet, wield the sword of truth. That's how you deal with the enemy. And in it all, constant prayer, which is dependence on Him. That's how you resist. No magic. No formulas, the Word, the holy life, confident, trusting hope in God, and you stand your ground. Peter adds this so beautifully in verse 9, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Does that help? What's he saying? Hey, in the middle of this, you're not what? You're not alone. You're really not. The whole brotherhood, the whole Christian community is going through this. Suffering is a way of life as God is accomplishing His holy, perfecting work in you. Just look at the goal, he says, and realize everybody's in it. So, fundamental attitudes. Submission, humility, trust, self-control, vigilant defense. Listen very carefully. The next are going to be rapid fire. Number six, 
an attitude of hope. Verse 10, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Here's another attitude, beloved. This is the promise added to the exhortation of verse 9. This, too, is a very essential, fundamental attitude. We are to live with the understanding that God's purpose realized in the future requires some pain in the present. One writer says, God himself in the wealth of his grace as the one who has called them to share in his own glory can be counted on according to his purpose to use their brief earthly sufferings to make them strong and steadfast. And when they become strong and steadfast, they are then to be the recipients of a greater eternal reward. So says Peter, and after you have suffered for a little while. It may seem intense and it may seem long, but it's really very brief, just a little while. So all the suffering that comes here is just to strengthen you, to establish you, to confirm you, to perfect you, to make you more the man and woman of God that you should be. This isn't so much talking about grace for eternity. God's already promised that. This is grace for time. This is while we're alive making us what we ought to be. Just a couple of notes about this verse. Beautiful. God who called you, again, an effectual saving call, as it always is in the New Testament epistles, and you can check 1 Peter 1, 15, 2, 9, 21, and 3, 9. But the God who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, I love this, now listen to me, while you are being personally attacked by the enemy, you are being personally perfected by God. It's personal. Himself He's doing it. Marvelous thought. He is intimately involved in the suffering of our lives. So what about those four words? Well, they're almost synonyms. To perfect means to bring you to wholeness. To confirm means, means to set you fast. To strengthen means to make you strong. To establish you means to lay you as a foundation. They all speak of strength, resoluteness. And that's what God wants to do in your life through the spiritual battle. They ought to encourage you, those four words, in the spiritual battle. God Himself is there battling. And through the battle, you become perfect, confirmed, strong, and established. Submission, humility, trust, self-control, vigilant, defense, and hope. You say, why hope? Because in the midst of my suffering, I have hope in what I am becoming. And because of what I am becoming, what I will be in eternal glory. That's hope. Number seven, an attitude of worship. Do I need to say much? Verse 11. Peter just bursts forth in a doxology. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Just a doxology. He said it in chapter 4, verse 11, that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter's just overwhelmed by this. And this too introduces us in an indirect way to another right attitude, and that's an attitude of worship. Throughout this whole series of verses, we've been getting the deep things of God put in place that we are to humble ourselves before God and He'll exalt us, that we are to cast our care upon God for He cares for us, He's powerful, He's compassionate. 
We are to fight in His strength, for He alone can defeat the enemy and in the process perfect us. No wonder, he says, give Him all the praise. Give Him all the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so we say that the heart of the Christian must always be filled with praise, must always be filled with glory given to God. He has the dominion. He has the power. He has the authority. He has the sovereignty. He is worthy of all of our praise. That's the worshiping heart. And when you have a worshiping heart, beloved, it keeps you from questioning the difficulties of life, does it not? When you have a worshiping heart, you don't question God. You just worship Him. By the way, the word dominion, kratos, means strength. It's only used here in the whole New Testament. And it speaks of God's ability to dominate. He is the dominant one. Nothing is beyond His control. Not our suffering and not Satan and his demons and the whole system. Nothing is beyond his control. We worship him for that. Then Peter comes to a conclusion. And in this little conclusion, as he draws this epistle to an end, he mentions two other attitudes. At least we can draw them out of his final words. And I think he picks up the pen here. Probably been writing through his secretary, and now he takes the pen in his own hand. And he mentions an attitude of faithfulness indirectly. Verse 12, through Silvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I've written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. There's no reason, by the way, to assume this is any other than Silas although that was somewhat a common name, but very likely the same Silas who traveled with Paul and is often mentioned in Paul's epistles. He was a prophet, according to Acts 15.32. He was a Roman citizen, according to Acts 16.37. We know about Silas. Silas may well have been the one who wrote down Peter's words and the one who perhaps would even bear them to these folks. But Peter calls him a faithful brother, for so I regard him, highly respected, faithful. Just reminds us, doesn't it, of another virtue, being faithful. Then he says, I've written to you briefly, just five short chapters, but oh, how rich. It is brief, really, short, condensed. And he says, in it, I've been exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. He's saying, I've been telling you about God's grace, His saving grace, His sanctifying grace, His grace through trials, His grace through sufferings. I want you to stand firm in His grace. Be faithful to it. That's what he's saying. Silas was faithful. Will you be faithful? Stand in this grace. It's like uh, Romans 5.2. In grace you stand, Paul says, and Peter says, and please stand there, will you? Be faithful. And then he adds one final virtue we can call the attitude of affection. Verse 13, She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings. So does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to all who are in Christ. The word affection doesn't appear there, but by way of example, we can see that he demonstrated affection, didn't he? The final word that speaks of love, She who is in Babylon, must refer to a church, Female terms for the church are common. You can check 2 John 1 and 13. And Babylon most likely refers to Rome. It does in Revelation 17 and 18. 
That seems proper here. One writer says it's a cryptic name for Rome. In times of persecution, writers exercised unusual care not to endanger Christians to whom they wrote letters. For instance, when John was banished to Patmos during the persecution instigated by the emperor Domitian, he called Rome Babylon. Peter, who mentions persecution in nearly every chapter of his epistle, died a martyr's death near Rome. According to tradition, he was crucified upside down. In short, Peter wrote this epistle near the end of his life when he probably stayed in the imperial city. and He didn't want the letter to be found and the church to be persecuted, so maybe he kind of hid it under the word Babylon. But well could be saying, the saints of Rome, the church, chosen together with you also elect, sends you greetings, Christian affection. So does my son Mark. Peter's spiritual son, not his physical son. Mark called John Mark is mentioned in Acts 12, 12. He accompanied Paul, stayed with Paul during the apostles' time in prison in Rome. Tradition indicates that Peter helped him write the gospel of Mark, that when Mark wrote his gospel, Peter was there to assist him. But here you have a little collection of affection. The church to your church, me to you, Mark to you. And in 14 he says, just kiss everybody, will you? An outward sign of affection often mentioned in the New Testament. By the way, it was men to men and women to women in ancient times, a customary part of early church affection. And he closes, peace be to you all who are in Christ. It's back to the basics then as he ends, isn't it? Submission, humility, trust, self-denial, vigilant defense, hope, worship, faithfulness, and affection. Beloved, let me tell you something. There's no way to produce those in your life through any mystical experience. They come from the truth. And as the truth is poured into your life week in, week out, day in, day out, it begins to change your character and create these kinds of attitudes. That's why we do what we do. We thank God for the privilege. You're listening to Grace to You Weekend, featuring the Bible teaching of John MacArthur. John has been Grace to You's featured speaker since 1969. He's also Chancellor of the Master's University and Seminary. Today he continued his current series, A Practical Path to Spiritual Maturity. Well, John, going back to something you said today about our battle with Satan, that we resist him with divine truth, I'm wondering what that looks like in practical terms. Does that involve quoting Scripture when we're tempted, or, or perhaps something else? Talk about that a little. Well, it certainly involves Scripture. Even Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, responded to the three specific temptations with a verse right. from Deuteronomy. David says, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what David is saying is that my memorization of Scripture is a defense. In the armor of the Christian in Ephesians, it says that the one weapon we have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So absolutely, we are able to engage in the spiritual war by our ability to wield the sword of the Spirit. Yeah, a lot of people would characterize that as kind of shallow, just quoting Scripture. But it's not shallow at all, is it? Well, it's not the matter of some mechanical quoting of Scripture. Right. It's the matter that you embrace the truth of that Scripture. The, the Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and cutting, as Hebrew says. So the Word of God 
whether you're reading it or whether you recall it in memory or whether you simply recall its truth without necessarily memorizing the verse, is alive and powerful and is a sword against all evil. Hmm. I think that's one of the burdens on my heart for this generation of evangelicals, who many of whom go to churches where they don't hear sound theology, they don't hear deep doctrine, there's not a lot of Bible teaching. There's a kind of a musical show and a kind of a, a rock star pastor that never really imparts the, the truth of the Word of God. So they're not equipped for spiritual battle. The pastor who can draw a crowd and um, crank up emotion and put on a show is not necessarily providing any kind of pastoral care whatsoever for his people Pastoral care comes when you pour the Word of God into them. And that is what our Lord says to Peter. He says three times, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Right. Because it's only when they're fed the Word of God that they have the truth that withstands the force of evil temptation. This series is really an important one. We've been talking about a practical path to spiritual maturity we would like to let you know that this series that we've just completed is available on three CDs, or you can download them at the website gty.org. Get in touch with us today if you'd like to get your hands on the CDs. Yes, and this is a study you will want to review again and again. It will take you back to the basics of Christian growth and show you how to love Christ more and more. To pick up John's study, A Practical Path to Spiritual Maturity, get in touch with us today. To place your order, call 800-55-GRACE or go to our website, gty.org. You can also download A Practical Path to Spiritual Maturity for free at our website. In fact, all of John's sermons from over 50 years in ministry are free to listen to or download at gty.org. And since we're not very far into the new year, let me make a suggestion. Get in touch today and pick up the MacArthur Daily Bible. Its reading guide will take you through the entire Bible in 2020. It also comes with daily study notes written by John and 52 key passages for memorization that will help you dig deeper into God's Word. To get the MacArthur Daily Bible, visit our website, gty.org, or call us at 800-55-GRACE. Now for John MacArthur, I'm Phil Johnson, reminding you to watch Grace to You television Sundays on DirecTV Channel 378. Or check your local listings for station and times. And then be here next time. John's beginning a study that can help you understand how the Holy Spirit works in your life. It's titled Living in the Spirit. Join us next week for another 30 minutes of unleashing God's truth one verse at a time on Grace to You Weekend.
what I'm writing this to you I really hope you hear my heart When thinking about describing you I really don't know where to start Can't start at the beginning Cause you are before the beginning Way before the beginning And this fallen world's distorted opinions It was just the holy trinity Ruling from infinity Glory blazed tremendously Loving one another endlessly Billions billions years ago Outside of what we know as time Nobody else was there to know But Lord, here's the thing that blows my mind As long ago as that was Long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord, oh Lord, 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 as long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same, you have not changed, what can that mean, but my God is immutable, immutable, you are beautiful, you never change, you remain the How you reign supreme by far Not just because of what you do But simply because of who you are There's none like you in existence You are God and you need no assistance Even though we show you resistance You sent Jesus to close the distance That existed between God and man According to your sovereign plan We changed many times in one lifespan I've changed even since this song began Lord, I'm so glad that you're not like us All that you do will certainly last You are the rock that we can trust Shows us back in eternity past As long ago as that was as long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord, oh Lord, Lord, Lord. As long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same, you have not changed. What can that mean, but my God is immutable. Immutable, you are beautiful, you never change, you remain the
Sorry, for delay. Um, song ended before I thought I was going to do Okay, um, now we got this is Answers and Genesis. The consensus of the tribe? This is Ken Ham, CEO of Answers and Genesis, the Creation Museum, and the Ark Encounter. I once asked Bill Nye, the science guy, how we know what's right and what's wrong. He told me it's based on the consensus of the tribe. You see, Bill Nye is an atheist, so the foundation for his thinking is that man determines truth. He's left with arbitrary human opinion. Now what happens if the tribe thinks types like him are dangerous? Would it be right to kill those we don't like just because the majority thinks it's okay? Of course not, but why? Well, without an absolute foundation for morality, there's no reason why. But there is an ultimate foundation for morality, God's Word. It tells us what's right and wrong as determined by our Creator. Discover more about the importance of starting with God's Word when you visit our website at AnswersRadio.com and find Ken Ham's complete conversation with Bill Nye at AnswersRadio.com.
What is truth? This is Ken Ham, a missionary to our evolutionized culture, even to the church. How do we know what's true? Some people would say we determine truth by popular opinion or feelings or science, but these are all subjective. Opinions and feelings change and new discoveries overturn old ones. Opinions, feelings, and even science are changing at such a pace in our culture today, it's creating a swirling tornado. How do we navigate the chaos? Well, we must have our thinking firmly grounded. And we can only do that if we have an absolute authority that tells us what's true. And that's God's word. It never changes. The Bible was given to us by the one who has always been there, knows everything, and never makes mistakes. There's more to discover about God's Word as our foundation when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com and get answers to the questions of our day when you go to AnswersRadio.com.
Happy New Year! This is Ken Ham, and our popular life-size Noah's Ark is located in northern Kentucky. As the first day of 2020 begins, lists of New Year's resolutions are being compiled. Now, not to discourage you, but studies show only 8% of people will accomplish their resolutions goal. Yes, it's hard to change our lifestyles and habits, but as believers, there's something we have to change, no matter how hard it is, and that's our old patterns of thinking. You see, the Bible tells us to have our minds renewed and to take every thought captive to obey Christ. And we can only do that if we know the Bible and Christ. So this year, dedicate yourself to knowing God's Word better and God Himself and watch your old ways of thinking disappear. Find out more about our life-size Noah's Ark attraction in northern Kentucky when you go to AnswersRadio.com and learn more about thinking biblically at AnswersRadio.com.
Genesis important? This is Ken Ham, CEO of Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, and the Ark Encounter. Some people say what we believe about Genesis is just a side issue. It doesn't really matter. But did you know all our major Christian doctrines are either directly or indirectly founded in Genesis? Why is marriage one man and one woman? Well, Genesis tells us God ordained marriage that way. Why are we male and female? Genesis tells us God created us that way. Why are we sinners? Well, Genesis gives us the origin of sin. Why do we die? Because death is the penalty for sin, as Genesis tells us. Why did Jesus need to come and die? Well, Genesis chapter 3 explains the reason. What we believe about Genesis is really important. It's our foundation. We need to believe all of God's Word. There's so much more to discover about God's Word as the foundation for our thinking. Get answers when you visit our website at AnswersRadio.com. That's AnswersRadio.com. We kick it old school. 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 Come on, come on, don't miss the latest craze. Hit it for a minute, then it's on to the next phase. Easy come, easy go, the marketers will hack it. The only change that comes.
old school. That's kicking it old school. Let's go fishing that. You can find them at gofishguys.com, G-O-F-I-S-H-G-U-I-S.com, gofishguys.com. And you can read most control here on Truth Be Told Radio around Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific time. And let's see what I'm going to do next is I'm going to play this song called Stand Up by Shannon. Hey, yo, they said it was over, man. They said it was over. But it ain't over. We just getting started. Yo, 7,000, we all at. Let's go. Stand up, stand up. If you truly love the son of man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive. And his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, stand up. Does anybody love the son of man? Trust. Jesus is the king, so his people we will sing. And forever stay worthy is the land. What's up? Surprise, no surprise, I'm back in your section With Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection More power than gravity, his knowledge and strategies Confound the academy, bow to his majesty He paid sin salary, took our blame on Calvary Those who love his name, spread his fame is the policy All eyes on the matchless price of his sacrifice Let's prize our master Christ and rise in the afterlife What, did we forget about the holiness of God or something? Did we forget that God owes us a rod or something? See the snake bruise when Christ came to save dudes who hate Truth, the gospel is not fake news. I got to sin, the gospel sweeter than it's ever been. Ain't nothing changed, let us in, we got the medicine. It's still human emergency, the serpent attack. You think Jesus can't save? That's alternative facts. Stand up, stand up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, stand up. Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust. Is the king, so his people we will sing and forever stay worthy is the land. What's up? Listen to my composition Lots of rhythm but not traditional Kind of different But God's consistent No contradiction My proposition Through crucifixion He mocked and crippled His opposition It's not some fiction I'm spitting The son of God is risen And my incentive for godly living Is I'm forgiven Jesus came to unlock the prison And through the spirit He brings a new birth Like an obstetrician At times I listen A lot of Christian hip-hop is missing The proposition It's my suspicion We drop the mission Not to this But the word of God Is it not sufficient The doctrine is That the gospel fixes I shot condition, God the Spirit supplies conviction through proper diction. Against the backdrop of our tradition, the gospel glistens. A squad of Christians go out and witness that God's commission. Cause Jesus Christ got the top position, no competition. Stand up, hands up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive. And his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, hands up. Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust. Jesus is the King, so his people we will sing and forever stay worthy is the Lamb. What's up? They want Jesus in the background like elevator music, but we gon' celebrate him, relegate him, we refuse it. They hate Christian hip-hop, I peep myself. They say we too redundant, well let me repeat myself. What I gotta say almost feels too real estate. Sit back and feel the weight of what a real estate. Cause yo, Jesus Christ got me in the real estate. I'm purchased property, I feel like I'm real estate. If the Father wasn't gracious, no sin in him. Again, he came straight blameless, no sin in him. Again, nothing's been the same since, no sin in him. Again, fakers lack his fragrance, no sin in him. This is not the picture in a frame to still Jesus. Nah, we serve the rock, the harder than still Jesus. So how are we gonna be silent, let the world still Jesus? When the world and its trends pass away, it's still Jesus. Then, up, hands up, if you truly love the Son of Man, trust, Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and 
singing that, and that's called Stand Up. And if you want to find out where the hell Shine In or his record, uh, well, CD, I guess you could say, um, go to lampmode.com, L-A-M-P-M-O-D-E dot C-M, lampmode.com. That's his record label. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play Big Questions, Short Answers, May Christian Dance and Church. Question, may Christians dance in church? Short answer, let me demonstrate by busting a sanctified move you could do in church. No! All righty, let's see what the Bible says. Verse number one, Second Samuel, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And Psalm 149, let them praise his name with dancing. Seems pretty clear God is not opposed to us expressing how we feel about him by dancing, but we need some more biblical instruction to determine how that should be done. 1 Corinthians 14, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Can a Christian dance in church? The Bible does give permission. It's not mandated, but it is permitted as long as it is done decently and in order. That it is not something that is sensual or draws attention to oneself or isn't simply showing off. While it might strike us as a bit unconventional to dance in a Western church, imagine seeing an African tribe who hears the gospel for the first time jumping, dancing, and shouting. We'd go, praise God, look at how they love the Savior. And we'd never question that they were busting a move. Here's what a dead guy said. John Calvin, the term dancing does not mean any wanton or profane leaping, but a sober and holy exhibition of joy like that which sacred scripture mentions when David conveyed the Ark of the Covenant to its place. Are there implications to this short answer? Me think so. Number one, dancing that draws attention to self is not worship, it's vanity. Number two, dancing that causes someone to lust, that's not worship, it is sin. And finally, only the individual knows if they are worshiping or showing off, which means we might want to withhold judgment if somebody is breaking it down. Big question, can a Christian dance? Well, sure he can. May a Christian dance in church? Short answer, the Bible doesn't prohibit God-glorifying dancing, but liberty should always be weighed against wisdom. Would you please like, subscribe, or share this video so other people can enjoy this professional Christian content? That is from Wretched, and it's called Big Questions, Short Answers, May Christian Dancing Church. And you can find that at, on YouTube as Wretched, W-R-E-T-C-H-E-D, or also on Wretched.org, W-R-E-T-C-H-E-D.org.
and they have a radio show, or I guess you could say a podcast, and also a TV show. So check that out. And what I'm going to do now, is, this is from what When We Understand the Text, WWTT, and it says, Only a Sith deals in absolutes. But the question mark. Star Wars, one of the most celebrated movie sagas of all time, which gave us one of the greatest plot twists, I am your father, followed by one of the dumbest, Leia is my sister. And to prove this epic fail was no fluke, creator George Lucas came up with the prequel films in which we get this stupid line, only a Sith deals in absolutes, which would be an absolute. Hey, even Harrison Ford said, George, you can type this Bantha fodder, but you sure can't say it. To say there are no absolutes is a self-defeating statement. Therefore, there must be absolutes. And you know this. No one actually believes things like there's no such thing as truth, or truth is different for everyone, because you'd have to rely on objective truth in order for those statements to be true. There is such thing as truth, and it's the same for everyone. The Bible says that the unrighteous suppress the truth with unrighteousness. They're ungrateful to God, so they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and believed foolish philosophies like absolutes are evil. The Bible instructs us to avoid the arrest babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by professing it some have swerved from the faith, the truth that all have sinned against God, but we are forgiven by faith in his son Jesus Christ. Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power, and it's by his word we have peace, absolutely, when we understand the text. Check out when we understand the text on YouTube is WWTT, and also they got a website, WWTT.com, WWTT.com. And let's see what I got for you next. And I'm going to play a song. This one's called One Day. Yeah, man, it's crazy how time flies. My mind tries to sit still, thinking how does one define wise? Feels like yesterday I was a newcomer, fresh in the game, ready to make the truth thunder. But as the beat plays, they lose wonder. After a few summers, the band's ready for a new drummer. Doesn't matter if you're not ready yet. Yesterday I was a cadet, now they call me a vet. But it's part of common sense that the artist time will end. To the young, this topic can be hard to comprehend. They don't come close to understanding How you can go from most demanded To abandoned in the ocean stranded Surrounded by the waves of your weariness Some things you only learn from age and experience And it's plain to me that all the famous men you see The time is coming when they will be a faded memory Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sand of time sinking Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah Better plan for the future, kid Time catches up to everyone, no matter who yeah. it is Whatever happened to so-and-so, that's what they wanna know Eventually we learn that they all come and go Today's rising star, tomorrow dies with scars Today they all struck, tomorrow you washed up I remember watching Jordan's Hall of Fame speech Thinking this is what it's like to watch the lame reach and gasp as he tries to grasp what lies in the past. 
never to return What lies in the past did he tell himself Was he lost or sober Did he know it was all but over The moment that AI crossed him over If I could be like didn't include dying light Let's shine the light on the one they call Iron Mike Nowadays he's known for being all weird But back in 88 nobody was more feared at the peak of his powers, his opponents would retreat in moments he would eat and devour. Snuff with punches, but we must discuss this. Crushed it just enough to trust his toughness. Pride brings us to justice. You puffed up with smugness? You gonna meet Buster Douglas. Amazing that, which blazed like Petro. The new praise that made the waves in the metro. Was praised for days, but just a phase like retro. And fades like echoes. Echoes, echoes, echoes. Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sand of time sinking Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah Better plan for the future, kid Time catches up to everyone, no matter who it is What I'm speaking on is seriously welcomed by the few Even no experience to tell you that it's true On your radio station, this won't be found on the playlist Wisdom, the sound of the sages, resounding for ages The older I get, I notice it The whole of the script, hmm, it's found in the pages A holy writ, not the cash speech of the reverend But what a man sees under heaven Ecclesiastes 111 No matter who you are, death aims to stop ya Whether banker, doctor, or Frank Sinatra Before your time is done, meet the timeless one The dying, death-defying, rising, shining sun King Jesus astounds and amazes He pounded the pavement to save those who were bound to their cages So let us praise the one who made the Everglades Our debt was paid, so in glory we'll never fade Never fade, never fade Church in Redding, California, commanding a little girl who died six days earlier to rise up out of the morgue and come back to life. The story of two-year-old Olive captured worldwide attention as her family asked others to pray for her resurrection. But none of the stories of resurrection in the Bible include a week-long appeal. Take Lazarus, who'd been dead for four days, but Jesus simply stood at his tomb and said, Lazarus, come out, and immediately he came back to life. Bethel Church preaches a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. They do not believe Jesus is God incarnate, that he is very God and very man. Rather, they believe Jesus stopped being God and he was only a man. What Jesus modeled, we're capable of doing, including raising the dead. Responding to the controversy, Pastor Bill Johnson said, The reason Jesus raised the dead is because not everyone dies in God's time. Jesus raised the dead to show he is God who raises the dead. No one dies outside of God's time. 
timing. Job 14.5 says a man's days are determined and God has appointed his limits he cannot pass. Acts 17.26 says God has determined the time and boundaries of our lives. Remember, Bethel is a church that dumps gold glitter on worshipers and says it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They're con artists, not Christians. Cherish the scriptures so that in a time of grief, you won't be taken by the words of charlatans. Instead, you'll be comforted by the promises of God when we understand the text. This email from Isaac, my friend is dating. He believes touching, hugging, holding hands, etc., etc., is acceptable in his relationship. What do you think? Well, I can think one thing as a father, and I can think another thing as a Christian. Hopefully, if I'm being biblical, those thoughts should be one and the same. How should a young man treat a young woman that he is dating, courting, call it whatever you like to, but is, I hope, the intention of it is to potentially pursue marriage? Otherwise, not sure what a boy and girl are doing dating if there isn't some sort of potential end game. Nevertheless, how does a young man or woman figure out, do we, do we hold hands? Do we get to smooch, put my arm around her? I think the answer is found in biblical categories. There are three categories that the Bible defines and describes for relationships between boys and girls, and I think when we keep these in mind, it's going to guide us through this particular dating question. The first biblical category, sanctioned by God, relationship between a man and a woman, is the context of marriage. One man, one woman, lifelong covenantal relationship with all the privileges that that brings. Holding hands, smooching, being romantic, even sexual intimacy. God says that category, thumbs up, you're good to go. Second category, brother and sister. That's, that's, a, that's a biblically defined category. Question, would you ever be romantic with your sister? I sure hope not. Would you ever do anything that is, that, that is potentially sexually charged? Of course you wouldn't. Why? Because the Bible says that is a big no-no. That relationship between brother and sister, it's, it's not romantic. It's not an eros love. It's a, it's a filial love. It can be an agape love, but it's not sexual or romantic in any way. So that category says that's a big no-no. Third biblical category is that of friends. Just a boy and a girl, they maybe hang out, they like one another, they are friends. Question, does the Bible give friends permission to be romantic in any way? And the answer is no, of course not. But that leads us now to a fourth category. The fourth category is the one we're talking about, dating. That were boyfriend, girlfriend, even if you will engaged to be married, does the Bible give us instructions for romance when it comes to that relationship? And the answer is no, because that's not a biblical category. The Bible doesn't talk about engagements, boyfriend, girlfriend, dating. It just doesn't exist in the eyes of Scripture. It's it's not a realm where God says you can do this but you can't do that. It just doesn't exist at all. So what must we do? Return to our original three categories. You are dating a woman. Let's say you're even thinking about getting married to her. Are you married? No, you're not. Therefore, you don't get all those rights and privileges. 
Is she a friend? Yeah. Do you get those rights and privileges in that category? No. Would you treat your sister that way? Well, she's not actually your sister, blood-wise, so you wouldn't be doing those things in that category either. So what does that leave a fellow with? Can you do romantic things with somebody who's not your spouse? No! However, is holding hands sexually charged? And the answer is could be, really could be, arm in arm could be sexually charged, rubbing each other's shoulders, uh, it could be sex- kissing. Look, you can get a little, like a French, like the kiss on the cheek thing, and that's not romantic, mm, but that's probably not what this person has in mind. How would you treat your sister? How would you treat a girl who is just a friend, but not a girlfriend? You wouldn't do any of those things, my young friends. God wants you to enjoy romance and intimacy. And even if you get somebody else's permission, you do not have God's permission to engage in those activities until you find yourself in the category that permits it. Is this intended to be just curmudgeonly? No, it's not. This is to operate under God's principles. Now, Having said all that, please, am I saying that a boyfriend and girlfriend can never hold hands? Not saying that. But if you are feeling sexually charged in doing so, until you're in that marriage category, you need to put your hands in your pockets. If you're doing anything that is sexually charged in any way, God would see that as a sin. So you need to make those decisions with careful, thoughtful counsel, because sometimes our hearts are wicked and deceitful, and it's hard to know where we're really at with these issues, so it's really good to get counsel. This is not to be a sexual killjoy, but it is simply to be obedient, and I promise you, as you wait for that day, when you enter into that category of relationship between a boy and a girl known as marriage, you will enjoy those romantic things a lot, and guess what? God wants you to on his terms. That is, again, from Richard, How Far is Too Long When Dating? And you can find Richard on Richard.org and on YouTube. And before that, we had When We Understand Text, WWTT, it's on YouTube, and also WWTT.com, WWTT.com. And going to see what I'm going to do next. I'm going to play I'll Do This. Best for you, oh. 
Once again, that is truth, the letter B only, not B-E, told radio. This is due to the restraints for Twitter's username link. Finally, to learn the testimony of Melissa Canchoa, the hostess of Truth Be Told Radio, see smilesandstuff.com. That's S-M-I-L-E-S-A-N-D-S-T-U-F-F dot C-O-M. Smilesandstuff.com. So stay social with us, and thanks for listening to Truth Be Told Radio. Without taking the cross 
sober made us all sober years later is it all over trip asked me if i was still motivated i was quiet but i wanted to say no i hate it Cause brothers in your camp causing lots of confusion i love them as brothers in christ but not their conclusions they want to reach the world by all means keep pursuing it but tell me why they gotta diss the church while they doing it that's what i wanted to say but i ain't say it though but no more laying low i want them to play it slow and i ain't dissing them my prayers are the proof like boaz without ruth is unity without truth CHH is like gorillas in the mist With no brotherly love It's like Philly don't exist What's happening here? It's a different atmosphere Cats appear most concerned about a rap career Brothers overseas being slain in the sand While we're vain in our plan Taking fame in some fans And I ain't got time to philosophize Satan got a plot device I'm seeing lots of guys apostatize On top of all that Donald Trump's the president It's all good though Cause Jesus Trump's the president So more than ever I'm trying to rep the Lord who bled And we ain't never gonna stop Word to Corey Red. I'm just trying to give a healthy demonstration of theocentric music for the selfie generation. See, the problem is sin, no riddle in it. Cause all sin got I in the middle of it. We're mad to praise and truly evil. We need to be born again without a Matt Damon movie sequel. In the gospel, God addresses our depravity. The lamb slain at Calvary, the depths of his agony. He rose from the grave with abundant grace. And when we come in faith, he'll bring us up from the sunken place. Our sins decrepit, depths left the mess. No rest was left till Jesus put death to death. The beauty of the victory truly is a mystery. The cross of Jesus Christ is at the nucleus of history. Before the cross, they were saved on credit. After the cross, we've been saved on debit. Since our champion in the great war suffered, we gonna proclaim his death like the Lord suffer. So welcome to the Still Jesus Project. Yo, we just getting started and we got a lot left. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God
went wrong at one time So much pressure fell on me I thought I was gonna lose my mind But I know you wanna see if I will
breath. Your mysteries, the sharpest of minds, can't guess. They stand perplexed, can't fathom what you plan next. In the garden, we failed your commands test. We transgressed, now our world is a grand mess. Lord, you're perfect, so why should you demand less? Man's best is only a sinking sand quest. But through Christ, watch God's saving hand flex. Redeem the people north, south, east, and west. Glorious robes in the promised land dress. We stand blessed, all because of the Lamb's death. So as we're lifting up our praise to you, receive it, Lord. The object of our affection, who we adore. Fallen in our misery, you daughter into history. The pardon of iniquity, startling the mystery. The ocean, the plains, the mountains, the rain. Universe proclaims the glory of your name. And what am I that you called me to your side? And took this heart of stone and broke it open wide. Let me start this off with a hallelujah to Jesus, the sovereign ruler. This is not a rumor. Got the truth, so we about to school you. Check out a style maneuver. Shout it to you like the loudest group. Christ put us up from out the sewer. We don't have to doubt the future. Crafting our verses as we bask in his worship. You asking the purpose, partly to fetch hats from the furnace. Through Jesus' extravagant service, immaculate purchase. He was smashing the serpent, and we only scratching the surface. He's the seed that was conceived in the womb of a virgin. The sun emerges in the manger while the angels serenade him. It's the birth of the Savior, the greater and Came a man, came as a lamb, and would be executed to execute the plan to substitute the sand. In the place of the wicked on the cross, he was lifted, but we considered him stricken and afflicted, just like the prophets predicted. He came at the proper moment to stop his opponent and lay down his life to offer atonement. He's the most magnificent, the total antithesis of insufficient, the blessed, the glorious, splendid, transcendent, difficult to comprehend, independent of space and time, but presently present, suspending the heavens with speech. From coast to coast, he speaks peace to wind and seas, got heavenly hosts easily posted on bended knees, controls the cosmos with the most authority, so we both in a Exalted King Christ Supreme. He's the sovereign thriller, the awesome healer, the law fulfiller, the solemn killer, the fraud revealer. No God is realer, yeah. When you're taking your time in the scripture, what you get is a prominent picture. See his light shining bright in the night, and his bright in the might, and a diamond in mixture. See his name at all the renown, though. When he came for the lost, that he found low. He was tamed, didn't floss all around, but remained for the manger, the cross, or the crown. Yo, Satan had a trick hold on him. Fight for the rope, but open in. All to the eyes of the S to the E to the N, that's what we hoping in. Risen on his spell check, the risen king can rinse clean. The most rebellious, I was hell bound, now I'm spell 
bound word is born. I'm a bond servant to the word of life. Uh, call me a sellout. I was fought with a price. We got a hope that won't fail us when we return to the dust. We will rise up just like the one who justified us. It's not wishful thinking when the truth's sinking. We are clinging to the promises that God bringing an everlasting kingdom. Nothing can compare to the worth of what we inherited. Nothing in heaven on earth can measure what Christ merited. The skies declare the affairs of his glorious care. The God who is there, who's aware, who delights in our prayer. His purposes are permanent and perfectly proportionate. Everything that orbits around his glory subordinate. He is the most excellent one. Intrinsic, infinite son. Preeminent the name par excellence. Prenom phenomenon. He's beyond phenomenon. You see the fiber of cosmology. The abba of astronomy. He's potter. We are pottery. It's shocking Jesus died for me. The father he adopted me and constantly provides for me. Whether or not I got degrees. You gotta see his odyssey. From sovereignty and lottery. To poverty and robbery. To resurrected bodily. Apocalyptic prophecy. He's stopping all the mockery. And scholarly snobbery. That don't acknowledge him properly. You ought to be on bended knee before the pre- Eminent. It's awfully arrogant to reject them to your detriment. Study the development from Old to New Testament. You'll find a theme that's prevalent from age to age. It's relevant. Crisis on its center stage. Forget religious sentiments. The center on man. But something less is what you're settling. He is the most excellent. Exercising benevolence and blessing a remnant with the benefits of his inheritance. Yeah. The sin of sinners that separated and segregated. That severed the relations between man and his maker. And placed Christ on his costly cross. And compensated his life, death, and resurrection. Emancipation. And gave us freedom from it all Freedom from the effects of the fall Freedom from Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden And from the law So the saints stand and applaud His grace and glorious cause With hands raised praising his name Singing glory to God I guess basic 
basic molecules itself. There's such thing as basic molecules. It's incredibly complex. The most basic so-called molecule is so complex. What I'm trying to make you, make you realize is that everything is intelligently designed. Everything you see from the atom to the universe, the flowers, the birds, the trees, the sun, the stars, do you think God can be proven? No, it cannot. Do you see the building in front of you? Yes. How would you prove there was a builder? By seeing it. <laughs> well, that was very perceptive. The building is proof of a builder. Even if he died 200 years ago, you don't believe there was a builder. You know there was a builder because buildings don't build themselves. But you look at a painting, how do you know there was a painter? Um, by viewing the painting. Yeah, because the painting couldn't make itself. So that even if the painter died 300 years ago, you know there was a painter. You didn't believe there was a painter. You know there was a painter because paintings don't paint themselves. Yeah. Creation. Creator. It's as simple as that. Not only that, God has given you intuitive knowledge of his existence. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. When you look at the heavens, beautiful sky and the clouds, you know God exists. Plus, he's given you a conscience. Does this make me feel uncomfortable? Oh, no, no, no. A serious smile. Was that a smile of concession? You're agreeing with what I'm saying or disagreeing? Um, I mean... I'm not, I mean, I can't really say, like, if it's true or not, so, I mean, like, I'm up to all opinions, but, like, personally, I just, I believe, I guess, spiritually saying, uh, everything happens for a reason, I don't think, maybe there is a higher being, but, like, there could be a possibility that there's higher beings and we don't even know about it. And you're no longer an atheist? Um, I would rather stick with being an atheist, because I can't really say. So you said in the building built itself, the painting painted itself, creation created itself. That's why the Bible says the fool that said in his heart there's no God. Don't be a fool. Just say, look, I think there's a higher power like you just said, but I just don't have the details. I want to give you the details. Okay? So, let's, uh, let's start with the premise. There is a higher power. Something created everything. Would you agree with that? I don't know. I, I can't really say. You know why? Because if you admit God exists, you're admitting you're ultimately responsible to him. And that's not a good feeling when you're into pornography and fornication, is it? Yeah, I guess. It's like a criminal acknowledging the police when he knows he's doing things that are wrong. That's what keeps us from God. We know we're doing things that are wrong. So are you doing anything that God would be displeased with? Um, I guess. You're looking at pornography? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I... You're fornicating, having sex before marriage? I mean, everyone does, but yeah. Okay. Have you lied and stolen? I mean, as a kid, I would say yeah. Hmm? Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yeah. So, Angel, you've just told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating adulterer at heart. So you're in big trouble on Judgment Day. What are you going to do when you stand before God? How can you escape the damnation of hell? Have you any idea? Well, I mean, isn't God supposed to be forgiving? Yeah, but there's a condition to his forgiveness. Do you know what that is? Um, don't you have to, like, say that you believe in him before? Nope. I don't know. Everybody believes in God. There are some that deny him because of their guilt. Now, God doesn't want you to acknowledge his existence. You already know that intuitively. He wants you to repent and trust the Savior. Christ died for our sins. On that cross, he took upon himself the sin of the world. You and I broke God's law, the Ten Commandments. Jesus came and paid the fine. That's what happened on that cross. That's why he cried out, It is finished. In other words, the debt has been paid. Angel, if you're in court, even though you're guilty, if someone pays your fine, the judge can let you go. You can say, Angel's guilty, but someone's paid his fine. He's out of here, and he can be just. You know, he can, he can do that which is right by letting you go because someone's paid your fine. Well, God can be just. He can legally let you live forever. You don't have to suffer the death sentence because of what Christ did on the cross. 
through his death and resurrection. What you have to do is repent of your sins, acknowledge them, confess and forsake them, and trust in Jesus like you trust a parachute. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And the minute you do that, you'll pass from death to life. You'll come to know God, not know about him. Your sins will be forgiven. You'll be clear of, a, of guilt. Your conscience will be free again. No longer accusing you because God's washed away your sins. But not only that, you'll have the knowledge of everlasting life. Death will have no hold on you. And there's nothing like that knowledge, you know. I could die tonight. You could die tonight. You don't know where you're going to go. I know exactly what's going to happen, and I know my sins are forgiven because my faith is in Christ. You want to think about this? Yeah. Yeah, I will. We're gonna Seriously have... think about it? Yeah, we're going to have time rather than study for bio, but yeah. Study for bio. This is so much more important. You know, we're talking about something more important than who you'll marry, than your vocation. This is where you'll spend eternity. And there was a man Jesus spoke of that didn't have time. He was so rich, he had to build bigger barns to put all this stuff in. And God said to him, you fool, tonight your soul is required of you. Imagine if God said that to you. Angel, you're a fool. You put everything ahead of your own eternal salvation. So don't be a fool. Come to your senses. Say, boy, this is so important. This is my eternal salvation. This is forever. My life is so precious. So, can I think about this? Yes, yes, I will. Seriously, think about it. Yes, 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 I will.
That is go fish with fruit of spirit. Sorry, announces. <laughs> yeah, I only got a little bit of time left. And that is it for Truth Be Told Radio. Before that, I have blessed assurance by Go Fish. But I'm going to go out with Yancey and Friends and the VRBLE. Bye for now. The beat.